Are you ready to make 2017 the year you transform your life? You can wait for something to happen, or you're actually going to decide to go, go home after this weekend to do something about that. We all know that we have a very, very limited amount of time on this earth. So let's not have repeated years. Live your own life. Make the choice, make the decision for your own life. Fear is where you develop courage. There's a moment going, holy crap, all right, I'm gonna do this now. The Wellness Breakthrough is coming. And so you actually have that choice every single morning, every single day, every single moment to decide whether you're gonna live it to the fullest or not. Join myself, Marcus Pierce, and the Wellness Guys, Damien Christoph, Lawrence Tam, and Brett Hill for two nights and three days of transformation at the Country Place. Ten acres of breathtaking rainforest in the Dandenong Ranges of Victoria, February 17th to 19th. It's each and every single one of you are going to support each other in your journey, whatever that journey is. Couples discounts available, limited spots remaining for all information and to watch the spine-chilling video, go to thewellnessbreakthrough.com. Thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. This is Up For A Chat with Cindy O'Mara, Karen Smith and Kim Morrison. Here we are, up for a chat about the hottest topics that are important to you, inspiring you to awaken the change within. I'm Karen Smith. And I'm Cindy O'Meara. And our beautiful little Kimmy, well, she's just got herself so flat out today that she just wasn't available to be a part of today's podcast, but we are definitely going to have her back on next week. Poor thing, given that it's the end of the year, beginning of the year, it's just flat out for her. Absolutely huge. Everybody's buying her oils. It's going nuts in her office. (laughs) And I reckon, I reckon, let me just say this about that. I reckon if you haven't jumped onto Kim's or Cindy's website and gotten yourself set up for the end of the year and the beginning of 2017, then you just haven't had enough time. So why don't you make a note for yourself and to jump onto the two websites and go and get yourselves ready for the new year because Kim and Cindy, I know you do too, Cindy, because I was at your shop the other day. (laughs) (laughs) Both of you girls are completely stocked up with everything that is all things Christmas and all things New Year. So it's really, really beautiful to go in and see how much you know, you guys have prepared for all of our gorgeous listeners to be able to start their years off the way that they intend to continue. So all those New Year's resolutions and health and well-being, it's a place to start. Yeah, and if I can recommend, I we've just got a cookbook out. And, um, oh, yeah. Oh, it's beautiful. It's brand new and it's a colour picture on one side and then, you know, what the recipe is. It's just, it, I'm so proud of it and it looks magnificent. So for Christmas presents... That's a no-brainer. That's a really easy one. Um, and you could add a few ingredients too. You could do a, like a basket and put the salt and the rapidura sugar and our cinnamon and our, you know, our turmeric. There's so many things that you can add to it to, to make it a, a beautiful, healthy gift. But for the ones that want to start a New Year's resolution, the, you know, there's the four-phase fat elimination protocol. We've had women... Uh, and men, um, our, our biggest weight loss so far is 70 kilos. Wow. And it took her a year and a bit to do it. And she says, I have learned more lessons in this year about what food works for me and what doesn't. My body craves different things now. She says, I can't believe for 20 years I just was not doing what I should have been doing. So, you know, I'm proud of that um, protocol. I think it's uh, on a brilliant platform. It helps people stick to it. We've got great coaches. So for anybody who's looking for a New Year's resolution and wanting to do it, I'd do it as a, you know, as a group. Load. Remember, there's phase four. So the first two days of lo- uh, is loading lots and lots of food and fats and eat as much as you can. I would load the day before New Year and New Year's Day. <laughs> <laughs> like crazy <laughs> and then start the 2nd of January or load 
you know, the two days before, 30th and 31st, and then if you wanted to start on New Year's Day, start the first. But that would be my thing. They're going to be the easiest days to load. <laughs> Have fun. <laughs> yeah, I reckon that's absolutely spot on. Like if you're going to do it, there's no better time. No, it's, there's not. And then there's all those beautiful oils and and and, um, and Kim's got so many beautiful oils. And I guess that really leads us, don't you think, Karen, to mm-hmm. our guest today, our Totally. She's known as the kitchen coach. And, um, yeah, do you want to talk about? Yeah. Well, I first met our little kitchen coach um, earlier this year, the beautiful Ashley Jubinville. I met Ashley um, when Kim and I did our amazing retreat in Noosa called The Essential Miracle. And it was a beautiful combination of Kimmy's, um, you know, oils and her background of oils and, then I did a whole workshop on the Course in Miracles, um, Eastern philosophy and yogic philosophy. And it was all really about, you know, creating new mindsets and new patterns and habits. And Kimmy, um, she introduced us to Ashley and Ashley came and took our yoga class which was, I have to say, one of the most beautiful yoga classes I think I've ever done at a retreat. But what was very clear at that um, event was that Ashley was launching into a whole new level of life with her new business um, here on the Sunshine Coast, Coast as the kitchen coach. So we thought um, it would be a perfect opportunity to get somebody like Ashley on the show to talk about what it actually means to coach people through that whole big transition into whole foods and health and well-being and to do it from the angle that, you know, as she's come from being somebody who's been very aware of the body and the philosophy of the body. So welcome to the show, Ashley. What a treat to have you as part of our family. <laughs> Thank you, Karen. Thank you very much. Hello, Cindy. <laughs> Yes, it's very much a pleasure pleasure to be invited onto the show. Thank you so much. And and it is oh, It is. So so tell us tell us about you, um, your background. Give us a bit of give us a bit of insight into you before we get stuck into all of the details of what you do. Excellent. Yes. So um, well, originally from Canada, that would be the accent. Um, but so, so happy to call the Sunshine Coast of Australia home now. My goodness. Um, as a matter of fact, that's probably the first part of the story is the incredible, I guess you could call it a revelation that I had when I moved to the Sunshine Coast. Um, just the, the fact that you can grow food all year round here just blows my mind. Not to mention the fact that you can grow mangoes in the same area that you can grow apples. Like that just, that is so unique and so special. Um, and so, yes, when I moved from Canada to the Sunshine Coast, the first thing I've basically wanted to do when I started hearing and, and observing people and how it didn't seem like anyone was aware of that privilege or that that special feature that they were surrounded by was I, I literally wanted to just like smack people in the face and be like are you, are you completely oblivious to the fact that you are so lucky to eat such healthy food here so that's kind of kind of how the whole thing has um, been inspired is that uh, since I was a little girl it's always been about food for me and uh, I guess, again, you don't really realize when you do grow up how lucky you are. So I just thought everybody, you know, had a father that would grow, grow a huge vegetable garden, um, you know, every single summer, you know, the precious four months that we could have fresh veggies in Canada. And I guess I just thought it was normal that everyone's mother made all, made meals for them, three meals a day. And and so you, I, I kind of grew up with that um, I guess very fortunate upbringing and food was always has always been my passion as a result of that so uh, running alongside that then you know you get told to go and get a real job so I did that whole experience and um, became a structural engineer and oh my god really <laughs> yes yeah, so oh, um, from that and I, I look back on that experience I worked in it for a few years and realized pretty quickly that it wasn't going to help me change the world like I wanted to do. Um, so very quickly, I kind of got out of that and tried to figure out exactly how it was that I was going to make this change. And the really, really beautiful thing, look, it took a few years to kind of find that space, but it all just sort of happened fairly organically in that I ended up um, 
you know, organizing my friends' pantries and kitchens just, just because I thought it would really help them out when I saw what state they were in. Or, um, you know, for a while there, I worked as a chef for a family of well, four kids, so working for six. And through a couple of their friends, uh, I was asked to come and just help them get organized in the kitchen because I guess they saw that, I guess I had a particular way of doing things and they saw the improvements in the family that I was working for. And next thing you know, it kind of evolved into this thing, which we couldn't call anything other than kitchen coaching. And I think the real magic in that is the fact that I don't see myself um, as doing anything different than I was for engineering in a way. And what I mean by that is being trained as an engineer, basically you're being trained to be a master problem solver. And in that process, you learn extreme organization skills and how to make everything every single process every single thing in front of you how to make it more efficient how to make it run better so when i applied that to everything that has been my passion since i was little which is food and health and how can we how can we use food to be to be wonderfully healthy uh when i brought those two things together that's when the magic started to happen and then and then that's how I've found that I've been able to help people um, in a way that I feel is gonna is gonna have a significant impact that I'm happy with so that's that's pretty much my story of how I got to kitchen coaching that's amazing it's so unusual though to go through engineering to to get to that uh, that 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 blows me away really that's almost it's almost like me going from accounting to get to spirituality <laughs> there <you go. laughs> it's really that <laughs> but it's, oh, honestly, that's, it's really cool to see you know the thing that I see most when I uh, get in front of audiences and start speaking to people or go into their homes and have these one-on-one um, chats to get them unstuck. Uh, the thing that I'm seeing the most is the fact that people are just extremely overwhelmed nowadays. <laughs> they just don't know exactly where to make their body healthy, how to do it in such a way that they can fit into their daily schedule. And there's just this sense of general overwhelm. So from an organization perspective and, and getting people to be more efficient, that's, I guess, really been um, where the magic, like I said, it has been happening for people uh, so that they can still be cooking wholesome meals, but spending any more time in the kitchen, they're just doing it much more, I guess, smarter, not harder. And I think, Ashley, um, a lot of people want to be shown, you know, they can, they can read it and then, and become overwhelmed. But if you go in there and you are picking through their pantry and you're discussing things with them about the pantry and what the ingredients are and um, and then showing them how to recreate a new pantry and where are the shops that you go to and where are the places that you go to, to here is the basics of cooking because many of the generation um, that are coming through now, like you're, you're different because your mum cooked and my mum cooked, but there are kids in my kids' generation who are in their 20s whose mother didn't cook and yes. they packaged foods and things like that. So we almost have to go back to scratch with these, these people and it's a step-by-step, bit-by-bit thing that we have to do with them, I think, um, yes. And I think the most valuable place is in the kitchen. And being the kitchen coach, I loved when I saw, you, you know, you created the kitchen coach. I thought, what a perfect name because that's you're back in the kitchen making beautiful foods from scratch, healing or feeding your family and healing a nation. So it's, um, it's, it's and organisation is the key to, to doing this. So, you know, I think what you're doing is brilliant. It's a good point. One thing I like to ask people is, have you ever met anyone who is actually better off when they're completely disorganized? <laughs> like, as in, it just doesn't make sense, right? You know, everyone benefits from organization, whether it's, you know, organizing your finances to organizing your time schedule to organizing your pantry. I mean, it all comes back to peace of mind um, by being organized. So, yeah, it's interesting. So what is, what is your overall philosophy um, it's one of the things that I love that Cindy always encourages everybody to have is, is a philosophy. And then, you know, you can try different things inside of that philosophy. What, what's the philosophy that you hold that you then go ahead and teach the people that you work with? That's a very good question. And look, I probably would put it back towards 
It's a, a famous quote by Ralph Waldo Emerson, which is, the first wealth is health. And honestly, if, especially in the world that we are in and amongst today with the bombardment from media, the abundance of so-called convenience foods being thrown at us left, right, and center, the, the pressures of our schedules, everything like that is pushing us in the exact opposite direction of where I think we need to go, which is learning core skills to be able to prepare a meal for yourself and your family in literally no time flat. Um, and so from that, you know, the first health, the first wealth being health, for me, it's that we have to get back to the kitchen if we want to get back to health. And from that perspective, I mean, not only just about the actual food we're putting in our bodies, but how we physically do that to make it enjoyable, to make it fun. Um, yeah, so definitely it would be that health begins in the kitchen. Um, and if you take that a little bit further, I would say health begins in the pantry. <laughs> um, so, yes, I, that would be, I guess, the underlying philosophy for everything that I do. But the key thing within that uh, is that it comes back to the skills. So people, again, like you were saying, Cindy, too, that people are not being exposed to these skills anymore. They're, they're kind of dying out with the later, later generations. Um, and I find it fascinating that we will put our kids into swimming lessons at the age of two, but we never teach them how to put food into their mouths and what food they should put into their mouths, let alone how to prepare it. At no point in our upbringings are there skills that we can go and get or that are we that we're being given to have those skills. And, and some people say, oh, yes, but there's home ec class. Well, frankly, class is now being made as an optional offering for schools to even make available, let alone an optional elective for the students. And it doesn't start happening until potentially grade six, grade seven as an alternative. And then when you take it, it's one term. So you really have to ask, is that going to have an impact on their future um, knowledge about food and knowledge about nutrition and how to feed their bodies so that they can be healthy until they're old? Uh, it, it, just, it just shocks me. So that's really where my number one focus is the kitchen school uh, is to be able to help that education happen at a younger and younger age I mean at the moment we're still just working with adults but the kids the kids part of that is coming I, I personally feel that there's no reason why we shouldn't have kitchen schools available for people just like we have swimming pools or soccer fields or dance dance halls mm. so that's where my heart is, I guess and so who are the people that you're working with most these days? Are you working with, with young, younger people who are super interested in being able to do this for themselves or are you working more with parents? Well, it's interesting. Our, our main, um, my main number of students are generally mothers of young teenage children. Uh, we do have a few dads that are doing wonderful things for their families as well. Um, but that being said, it's really interesting because I've, I've now spoken in front of quite a few um, secondary schools and teens that are realizing that this is happening and realizing that they need these skills is growing. And so they're starting to come and ask if they can attend the adult courses, which I just find so inspiring. Um, so I definitely do not turn them down. So we've got students from 15 up to 72 at the moment. Right. Um, but for the part, it, it is mothers that realize um, after having kids that something has to change, that there has to be a better way. And with all the food intolerances and allergies and things popping up, um, they know that they need to get back to basics. Yeah. And what I find, um, and I don't know if you're finding this, Ashley, too, is, is that when um, someone is in crisis is more likely when they will start to make changes as opposed to when they're not in crisis. Like people seem to have to wait and it's this yeah. society and, that we are in at the moment where we are about cure, we're not about prevention. And if we can get our young women and men before they have these babies um, and start them on this, then they're not going to have the problems that we're now seeing amongst our, like even our five and six-year-olds have depression. You know, we're finding anxiety and depression in five to six-year-olds. And, and I don't know when we ever thought that food was not a part of that um, etiology for that disease, but they always dismissed it and they're still dismissing it, which is so frustrating. Uh, and the need for kitchen coaches is like 
we need them. We need to have people in and teaching these young girls. So getting to those teenagers in secondary schools, that is where we need to get to. Um, I remember when I went to school, actually, and I remember I'm from the 60s and 70s, and in the 70s <laughs> I went to an all-girls school and we learnt to type. So this is what I remember in primary school, uh, sorry, in secondary school being an absolute you had to do it. We had to learn to type on a typewriter. We didn't have computers in those days. We had sewing um, and you had to do sewing. We had home ec and we had to do home ec. Um, and then we did maths and English and geography and history. And that was my life, you know. And, and I think the biggest thing of all, oh, and shorthand. I had to learn shorthand. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so this is what we were being groomed. By the way, sciences were there also. Um, and that was more in the year 11 and 12, um, maybe even 10. But we were being groomed to be in society where we would, uh, we'd be able to cope and live and, um, and, and do the things that we needed to do in order to be a mum. That's what it was, or a secretary. <laughs> you know, and, and now we, you know, as women, there's, there's the whole thing of we can do everything. But I sometimes wonder if the thing that is the most important, which is being a mum, has been denigrated to something that is not the most important thing. Yet I believe it is the most important thing. And when we see young teenagers just not knowing how to do this is where it's sad. So um, I love the, the thought that you're getting into these senior schools. I think it's wonderful. Well, I couldn't agree with you more in that sense, Cindy, is that honestly the, the, um, the pattern that I'm seeing in the mums is such a pattern of self-sacrifice. And it's almost like our society is rewarding that. So these moms are just doing everything for their family and everything for the extracurricular activities and everything to take care of everybody else and have a perfect looking home and keep up to all this. And they're letting themselves and their own health um, take the back burner. And, and I cannot believe the toll that that's having on that. Well, I can believe it, but cause I see it all the time now, but, it's just such a pervasive pattern that I see this self-sacrifice happening in mums and for them to absolutely come to me and say, I hate cooking. I just, my heart sinks. Like it's, that is my number one goal when they start working with me is, Oh my gosh, we are going to change that. We have got to change that. That is just not on, you know, how can you imagine being healthy into your old age? If you, if you literally dread your time in the kitchen and think of it as a chore, I mean, we have to do it three times a day. So that would wear on someone stress-wise over time. So, yeah, as far as the biggest compliment anyone's ever given me is that, oh, my gosh, I now absolutely love cooking. Thank you so much. Like, they'll turn around. Um, and they can just, they, you can see it in them. Like, you can just, they're a completely different person. Um, so, yeah, being a mum is definitely then that flowing on to the, what the child sees. So you can imagine how the child is going to think of food if every single time mum's in the kitchen she's grumpy and you can tell she doesn't enjoy it and therefore that affects the food and etc etc so it is a bit of a of a nasty kind of downward spiral if we get into that pattern of and I believe it begins with the self-sacrifice but as soon as we can rectify that and make the spiral go in the opposite direction oh my goodness it just gets better and better and every mm -hmm. single tiny little step that they implement they might think it's tiny but it makes a massive difference long-term if they normalize that step. So even if it's just something like drinking 500 mils of water every morning when they wake up to rehydrate the body and get the body set up for the day to get the mind clear and not to mention to help the elimination, but um, even that one little step they might think is so insignificant and so simple, but if that now becomes a normal habit for them, then they're going to take on the next one without feeling any more, um, you know, that doesn't feel any different to them. It doesn't feel any harder. Yeah. So definitely being a mom, number one for focus, but, but definitely really um, guarding oneself against that self-sacrifice, just taking time out for, for themselves as a mother. You know, it's interesting. I, I, I look at um, myself as a classic example, and I guess my generation is probably in between you and Cindy. And I think, you know, for me, that whole movement that has now got kids that are, um, you know, late teens, we grew up very much 
um, against the grain of motherhood. And it was really a time where there was this big push for women to stand on their own two feet. Um, women started certainly, in, 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 and I'm not meaning this across the board, but I just mean around my circle and I'm just, you know, racking my brain now to remember what that was like. There was a competition between men and women as to who'd be able to make more money. Mm-hmm. And there was the, 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 the perception that if you're the first one to leave work, then you're the least valuable. And I remember being a general manager for a company when I was 24 and I had 365 staff and there were a lot of those people who had kids. And if those people who had kids stayed late and worked late, I remember even I valued them more. But the ones who called in all the time sick or couldn't come in or were always running late or there's always a problem, I valued them less. And I'm just running through that now that you're actually talking about all of this. And I look back even to my own life. If I did less than a 16-hour day, then I felt like I wasn't valuable. Mm. So I then had that same perception with the people that I reported to. And I don't know if... And I don't, and I don't know if that's what um, I deliberately thought or if that was just a perception of the companies that I worked in because the companies that I worked in, interestingly enough, were very female-dominated, but they were female-dominated with incredibly aggressive females. And um, so I don't know if that was across the board, but, you know, even if I look at my own life, cooking was something I hated absolutely hated because I didn't have time for it, didn't have an interest in it. Yet I grew up with my mum who was always at home for us kids. She cooked for us morning, noon and night. Right up until I left high school, my mum was still at home, you know, with us. Mm-hmm. And I never, I, never, I never took that on. And it was almost that whole um, ethos in that generation, which is obviously the generation now. Like if I'd had kids, my kids would be, I don't know, somewhere between 15 and 19 or 20, I guess. Um, and, it, and it's a really interesting period, I guess, in the evolution and the equality of women and how that was a, a, an extreme time. And I think potentially now what we're looking at is balance maybe. I don't know. I don't know. Like, the, you know, like our kids – got everything, were given everything in replacement of time because, you know, we were all out working. Um, and now maybe there, there, there's that, that opportunity where the interest is there and we're starting to see the impact of that mentality. And now, you know, thanks to people like you, Ashley, then, and, and obviously the work that you've been doing your whole life, Cindy, is now that full circle is coming around and people are starting to go, oh, shit, what have we done? We need to we need to get some education happening here because it's affecting every area of our lives. It's not just about me being ambitious or me wanting to be someone. No, actually, that ripple effect has has gone beyond my wildest expectations or or, or what I could ever have thought would have occurred. Yeah, yeah, and no, I think that, couldn't agree. Sorry, go ahead. Okay, so we have dead silence now. (laughs) So sorry. But you know what, Karen, I couldn't couldn't agree with you more. And it has been that full circle that's come around because we've realised the the error in our ways because we're seeing so many people that are not well. Um, Whereas this wasn't happening in the 60s and 70s. Every kid was healthy. It was very, well, I shouldn't say every kid. There were some children that weren't. But compared to what's happening now, we have a, a rate at the moment, and this was a 2009 statistic statistic that showed that um, 42% of all children born in Australia will have or do have a lifelong illness. That's, that's outrageous. Absolutely. Wow. Yeah, that was the statistics from 2009, so I don't even know what they are now. And I would say they have grown because... What we've seen between 2009 and 2016 is an exponential growth in autism, in allergies. I know in the last decade we've had a tenfold increase in allergies and food sensitivities and intolerances. So we we actually know um, that this is happening and um, I think it has gone full circle. And when we think about 
time on planet Earth, it's but a blink in time and we will look back at this time and, and think, what the hell did we do? And, and you know, the scary part, and Ashley, you might like to um, come in on this one. I was listening to a program yesterday, last night, and it was a scientist on climate change. And so while we're talking about food in the kitchen and, and this and that, he's an expert on climate change and he gives us 10 years. That's a scary wow. thing. He gives us a decade and he says civilization will collapse. Are you serious? I'm very serious. He was on national television on, in New Zealand and, and this scientist, and whether he's, you know, I don't, he's known as the, the foremost on climate change. And he, he says we are now growing at an exponential rate um, of what is happening. And so I think... Um, if we are, have only got 10 years left, <laughs> I don't know. I'm not going to, I'm not even going to think about it. But if we did, I know what I would. I want all the energy in the world and to be, to be healthy um, and, and live a life. But yeah, it, was, it was scary. It was really scary listening to him. Mm. And you look, even if he's off by a factor of 10, that's still only 100 years away. And still for that, you've got to think about your children and, your, and their children. Yeah, I mean, I, I, you're right. It's it's about coming back to the present and just doing every single thing that we can to make our own personal worlds better, which therefore will make the whole, I guess, better. Yeah. And to take responsibility for our own health because I think up until, well, for the last couple of decades anyways, we've been very happily told what to eat by food manufacturers. We've been very happily told that it's called convenience food um, and that that's why we eat it is because it's convenient when really it's just the label to make us buy it it's not convenient at all um but yeah and, and even you know the fact that they say they no longer call it adult onset diabetes type 2 now now it's type 2 diabetes because two-year-olds are getting it like they had to remove the adult onset because it's not happening anymore just in adults i just find that absolutely shocking so but i think on a positive note Cindy um you know even if the world does end in, in 10 years like you said no I didn't um, say it he said it I don't want to say no, it no <laughs> yeah. wouldn't it wouldn't it be amazing um to absolutely live life right now as as if this is the best day ever like and how can I feel better how can I have more energy to spend more quality time with my kids or, or my family or you know and how can I really lap this up and honestly without health We've got nothing, in my personal opinion. So it's definitely definitely something to wake up to because, I mean, even like I said, they call it convenience food, but they're using these types of terminologies um, in many different ways where they're calling two very different things the same name. So, I mean, just as an example, um, milk, when, when I was little and when my dad describes when he was little, it was his job on the farm. He was one of 12. And it was his job on the farm every morning to take the little red flyer wagon full of one liter glass bottles of warm milk straight from the cow yeah. um, and drop it off at the neighbor's doorsteps on his way to school. And I mean, the milk was still warm and that was very different milk to what they're still calling milk today, which, you know, I believe should be called white liquid. So people don't think it's the same thing because it isn't the same thing as far as how the body sees it. And, you know, they're doing it with so many things is, is that the food has changed so dramatically. I mean, even you, you've done a whole documentary on it, Cindy, about wheat. It's changed so dramatically. It, it seems unfair. The same thing, I think. Yeah. Now, we're talking about, um, you know, life and living life to the fullest. Let, let's just talk about your life, Ashley. So... Mm -hmm. We, I, I think my first contact with you is that I met you, uh, we did yoga um, for us when we did Awaken the Change Within a couple of years ago and I remember just being fully in love with what you did with yoga. It was, it was something that I really enjoyed and then since then, you know, I, we were swimming this morning in the Lullabar Beach. We were actually, <laughs> um, you know, so... You know, I know your life now very much revolves around your beautiful husband, Matt, um, mm. kitchen coaching, yoga, and you have, uh, you know, I know you have a, a real belief in, in something in your life. Can you explain what it is? How you live? Yes. Why you live the way you live? Well, how do I put that in? Um, 
All right, here comes a little bit of a personal story. <laughs> um, I, I'm a reminder, or kind of it's come up for me to tell you that um, when I was in engineering, my boss, I guess, wanted to put me forward a little bit to teen, particularly teen girls, to kind of show them that it, it can be done. Like engineering is not just a man's world, world and women can do it as well. And I remember being put in front of this, this group of, I think it was about 100 grade eights, grade eight girls, and giving them this chat about engineering. And it was, you know, it was wonderful and I loved engineering and you can do it. And at the end of the chat, um, sorry, the end of the, the presentation, I said, I said to them, and this literally didn't feel like it came from me. It came from somewhere else. I said to them, but no matter what you do, you absolutely have to love what you do. And wherever those words came from, I went down and sat down as quickly as I could because I was just welling up in tears. And I, I went home and I seriously questioned myself at that very moment, um, am I actually living that? Am I actually doing what I love doing? Because that put me in tears so instantly. Um, and that's exactly the moment where I decided, hang on, is engineering really what I truly love doing? And is this the shape and the form that it was meant to have taken for me? Um, so when you say, what is my philosophy in life? Where, where am I going with this? I can honestly hand on heart say to you that I will not stop until I have felt that I've positively affected the lives of at least one million people personally. Um, and when I, what I mean by that is improve their health through food, teaching skills or ways in which that they can come back to food, come back to the way nature intended these things in such a way that, that works, in such a way that is not any harder, it's just different to what they've maybe grown up with in the last couple of decades, um, and to really get them back to those basics. So I just love seeing people's faces light up when they, they come to me and they say, oh my gosh, Ashley, you know, my son just ate broccoli for the first time, or, um, you know, I, I just went to the markets for the first time. Some of these women, they're just, they've been scared to go to the farmer's market because it's so different. Um, and then, you know, I'll get text messages at nine o'clock at night of someone saying that for the first time in the last three weeks, their father-in-law has just actually gone and done a number two <laughs> in the toilet. <laughs> He's been oh, wow. Um, and they'll tell me these stories because of, you know, things that I've helped them implement and things like that. So it's, it, that's what drives me. That's what keeps me going is hearing that, that people are seeing the benefits. They are feeling the effects that health is wealth. Health is the best thing ever. When you, and a lot of people don't know how good they can feel because they've been feeling this way for the last how many years. They just think that that's normal. They think that that's as good as it's going to get. This is, you know, this is me feeling well. And they don't realize that they could possibly feel so much better and have so much more energy and clarity of mind and happiness in their world. So for me, it's, it's, I guess you could say that's kind of my drug. I, I get high on that stuff. <laughs> Um, and that's, that's what I'm going after is to help as many people as possible come to me with, with news like that. That would just be amazing. Mm. Oh, how fabulous. Yeah, it is. It is. So I think we all need some sort of philosophy to live by and, you know, that's why I teach it. Um, but it's, it's just nice to know why we do the things that we do and what's, what's mm. on that journey and it sounds like your upbringing was very similar to mine except my grandfather was the gardener not my father my father was the chiropractor um and my mother cooked every meal and I knew nothing else and um and so you get that great start in life and then um something starts you on an amazing journey and um and, and yeah and it's wonderful so tell us where are you from so I'm from a wonderful little town called Penticton which is in British Columbia on the west coast of Canada. It's about four hours inland from Vancouver, and uh, it's part of the Okanagan Valley, which is renowned for, you know, it, it's the holiday destination for a lot, most of Canada in many ways in the summer. Um, and again, it's one of those things where you don't know what you've got till it's gone. Um, and, but that being said, it comes alive for a few months of the year, and then this, it becomes a sleepy little winter town through the winter. Uh, but the interesting thing, though, is it is, is a bit of a food bowl part of Canada where it's all orchards. We, I grew up with the most amazingly humongous, juicy peaches you've ever tasted in your life. And mm -hmm. Greens and cherries and apples. I will never forget my experience. The first time that I got to pick an apple straight off the tree, it was, it was very brisk outside already coming into fall. 
and dad showed me how to polish the apple on my shirt to make it so shiny you could see a reflection in it. And in contrast to what we think of as <laughs> apples today that are covered in wax and they've been in the storage for nearly a year. And, you know, it's just a vast, um, vastly different thing. Like the fact that we call them both apples is interesting because they're very, very different things. Um, so, yeah, so I grew up in an amazing part of Canada. Um, and the, I guess the way that I got to Australia is a bit of a funnier story because I did my university in a much colder part of Canada um, in Edmonton, Alberta. Spent five years there in sort of the average temperature of 20 throughout six or eight months of the year. Uh, and when I finished my degree there, I just said, oh, my goodness, I have got to get somewhere warmer for a little while. And, um, yeah, I got a, got a job doing structural engineering in Australia, bought a one-way ticket, and much to my mother's dismay, said, well, worst-case scenario, I buy a ticket home. <laughs> um, so I've been here ever since, and it's just been amazing, honestly. Um, Australia is just an incredible place to live, particularly if you're a foodie, particularly if you appreciate like, literally buying the food from the farmer's hands. That's just my favorite part of a weekend morning is to go and literally make that connection with the farmer and say, thank you. Thank you. We need you. Like, please keep doing what you're doing despite all the things that are beating you down. Please. Um, I would love to continue having access to your wonderful food until I can be growing it myself as well. Um, it's a bit of a long-winded answer, but, yeah, that's where I'm from. <laughs> no, we like long-winded answers. I, I love oh, yeah. what makes people click, and, you know, or, you know, what makes them do what they do and where they've come from, especially when I hear an accent. I always, um, I'm always interested. It, like it was, I've just been in New Orleans and uh, it was interesting the amount of people that said, oh, where are you from? Where are you from? Where are you from? You know, they, they all because it means you've come from a different place, a different perspective. Um, why did you end up on the Sunshine Coast? What I find, and I don't know, and I think you'll, you'll both agree with me, is living on the Sunshine Coast, it seems to be a melting pot of people that do what you do, Karen, do what we do um, with food, do what Kimmy does. It's like everybody's come here that, or even spiritual life. Um, I was listening to somebody recently. Um, they were uh, talking about they had real health issues and they had spent time um, with spiritual teacher who was in Mulaney. So, you know, we, it seems to draw people to this landscape. I don't know what it is about it, but there seems to be more people here doing these amazing things and trying to make a difference um, than anywhere else on the planet um, that I've noticed. Oh, Boulder. Boulder, Colorado was the other place. <laughs> I, I find every time I go to a conference, like I've just been to the conference um, called ShiftCon, and ShiftCon is about shifters or people with influence. And it was all bloggers that blogged on health. And there was about 500 people there and the speakers were people like Robin O'Brien who started a whole, um, she starts movements, she's an analyst and she just seems to start movements because she doesn't like what's happening in the world. And there was um, J.P. Spears, you know, the comedian um, that takes the mickey out of everything but, in a, but has a serious message behind it. And there was the author of Our Stolen Future. He was... He was amazing. I just absolutely um, loved what he had to say. And um, and this, um, oh, why did I start that whole conversation now? I've just like gone, okay, why did I go off on that little tangent? <laughs> uh, oh, I know. And it was about um, meeting people um, and why they did what they did. And every single one of these people that had done were doing something that I spoke to, these bloggers, it was because they had... Um, a health issue themselves or their kid had a health issue or um, a, 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 like they had this love for it or they met somebody and, you know, they were shifting other people's lives. They were influencing other people's lives. We, actually, I must tell you this, Ashley, because while what you're doing, you don't realise the actual impact of it. What the impact is is that we are changing corporations People who are blogging and, and doing things about getting people to farmers markets and eating healthy food, foods are 
the, the big corporations are looking at them and you to see what you are suggesting because they know that you're on that wave that is telling them what they need in the future. It was, it was very interesting and that's why it's called Shiftcom. It's about shifters, people who shift corporations. And, um, like, I, I just, I loved it. Robin O'Brien talked about something that she was doing called Epigate. Uh, and there are so many kids with allergies and food intolerances and sensitivities and many of them have anaphylactic reactions to not only foods but chemicals that EpiPens, people are carrying EpiPens everywhere. And we started this thing called Epigate where she realised how expensive these EpiPens were for these mothers that needed them all the time. And so she decided to find out how much they actually did cost and then she shamed the company the stocks of that big multinational drug company plummeted as she <laughs> and they had to bring the price of EpiPens down. So these are shifters. These are people that she said she's the reluctant shifter. She didn't even mean to do this. She'd rather just be behind the, she'd rather be behind her computer um, analysing. She's an analyst, you know. She'd rather be just analysing. But she was actually, she's the reluctant shifter and she's had to get out into the public eye. And, oh, my gosh, she was just inspiring or inspiring in, in what she said. And um, she had a real thing about glyphosate too. So um, she just thinks that we need to get onto our councils and, and you'd think there'd be enough people here on the Sunshine Coast to start making a change in glyphosate. We can only hope that they stop using it. It's a really good point, too, coming back to the fact that people need to be kind of forced almost nowadays to make change. Um, and I do think that comes back to their state of overwhelm is, is they've just got so much on that they can't necessarily make these changes voluntarily because they just don't have any headspace left mm -hmm. for it. Um, and until they're forced, you're right, it's, it's pretty hard for most people to make significant change um, in the way they do things. And unfortunately, the biggest changer for people is, is illness now. And it's, you know, the fact that autoimmune disease um, is, has surpassed the rates of cancer and heart disease just blows my mind. That's been the last couple of years only that that's just gone through the roof, just soared past cancer and heart disease. And autoimmune conditions... Are, are largely, and I'd say largely in a big sense, preventable through diet and lifestyle. I mean, that's, I know that's exactly what you talk about, Cindy, as well. And for me, I, I had a mini wake-up call, which was a diagnosis of celiac disease, which is still an autoimmune condition. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that was kind of the further impetus to make me go even deeper into the research and my, my knowledge about food, you know, using my body as an experiment. Um, but I just, I would wish upon everyone that they could make at least the steps in the right direction to, to learning the knowledge that they're going to need should ever they come across a disease. Because once you get that illness, once you get that disease, depending on what it is, it's going to be a lot harder to then all of a sudden make a, a complete turnabout um, and just change the way you do things and, and kind of re retrace time a little bit to, to try and rectify that. So, yeah, I mean, any little changes that people can make now is just so powerful for having that later effect. I wish, I wish more people would be able to die of old age, to be honest, because nowadays it's, it's all illness related. I, I, the last time I heard somebody truly legitimately dying from just old age, I, I actually don't remember the last time I heard that. Um, have you guys met anyone recently that's actually heard <laughs> somebody dying of old age? You're making me think. And my dad's 88, um, but he's also got, a couple of little things happening with him. He gets gout and he's losing his short-term memory just at the moment. He's um, I'm trying to make him change his diet. Actually, it ain't working, I can tell you that now. So yeah. if anybody out there who's trying to change their father's or their mother's or their sister's or their <laughs> husband's diet, um, <laughs> I can't even get my <laughs> He says to me, actually, he goes, I've been eating like this my whole life. And I said, Dad, my mother fed you all your life. It's just that she's gone now and you are now eating. He likes Auntie Sarah. You know who ah, Auntie Sarah is? Ah. Do you mean the brand? Sarah. Yeah. Sarah Lee. Sarah Lee. Sarah Lee. Oh, no. I Auntie Sarah. I go, oh, my gosh, Dad. So what I've done now is I've got a lady coming in every 
day for two hours and she cooks his dinner and his dessert because he loves his dessert. My mum made dessert. Um, my mum never did not make a dessert. And if there was no dessert on the table after dinner, oh, my gosh, there would be a riot in our house. So <laughs> my dad's not used to that. My mother did that for 50 years of their life. So, um, you know, the, this is what um, he, he, you know, he now does. But, uh, you know, I have to get that inflammation down with the gout because that's what it is, is in, it's inflamed. Um, so we're working on it, but yeah, for him to make that change, it was getting harder and harder. Mm. Yes. And that's, that's the kind of disappointing thing too, is that, you know, he's still drinking the so-called milk or, you know, I just use that as an example, but mm-hmm. you know, he still thinks that this early apple pie is the same apple pie that your mum used to make for him when it's completely a different, different thing altogether. <laughs> and yeah, um, there's, there's no comparison there, none whatsoever. No. Mom pick the apples from the tree. We lived near Harcourt and Harcourt was an apple and pear growing place. And my mum would go down to Harcourt and buy massive amounts of apples and pears in the winter and make apple pie, apple crumble, baked apple, stewed apple, um, (laughs) apple slumber. Oh my gosh, she was an apple. She loved it. I loved it. You know, I just, I remember those times. um, I, I, I love the family eating. I, every night we would sit around a table. And now this is another thing, Ashley. Are you noticing that when you come in as a kitchen coach that you're finding instead of the families eating haphazard, they're starting to sit around the table and have conversation? Is that another thing that you're doing with your coaching? Yeah, so I definitely like to be a little bit more holistic than what you'd say is the average cooking school or anything like that, um, especially the in-home program stuff that we do with small groups is is definitely the, the addressing the whole aspect of the kitchen. And for that, it's exactly like you said, is the family actually sitting down to eat together? And another trend that I'm seeing is, is unfortunately not. And I think it's because of these so-called, you know, and it's not, I shouldn't say so-called because it's very real in their, in their lives is the busy schedules. So oftentimes um, either mom or dad is not getting home till seven o'clock at night, mm. um, at which time the young kids should have already eaten a couple hours ago and they're ready for bed. So the kids are eating separate to mom and dad. Mom generally waits for dad to get home and, this pattern kind of continues and, and I guess what I'm seeing the flow on effects are is there's, there's no one to kind of model off of kids learn by monkey see monkey do. And when they just get to run amok and, and eat dinner kind of as they so please without an adult, you know, saying, keeping them sitting down at the table while they eat or showing them, um, you know, anything from even like, you know, chewing with their mouth closed, which seems so simple, but uh, we're seeing a lot of, I guess, those effects and the parents then all of a sudden, realizing when the child is 12 that they they don't know certain things about food or about eating or any of that and they kind of look back and go oh okay I see what I see how that happened um so yeah we do we do touch on on all those kinds of aspects gently it's mostly about um some of the key skills and but the interesting thing is the kind of like you said with the the fact that people won't make change unless they're kind of forced to make change the best part about being a coach is that I'm there as their accountability. Uh, and that was something I didn't necessarily anticipate in the beginning, but I have them coming back to me saying, Oh, Ashley, I, you know, I was going to go to, the, I, I went to this party and I was going to eat this and the other, but I decided that I wouldn't have that. And I'd bring this instead. And, and they said, and, and I was going to send you a text and show you a photo because I was so proud of myself. And, <laughs> Because I think if it hadn't have been, you know, me sitting there and I've never put that pressure on them, but all of a sudden they feel accountable to me. And that's, that's, that's been, great. A really cool side effect is I'm maybe forcing them like a loving mother would force them to, um, to just, just to help them make that change before it's critically necessary health wise. Um, and that's, that's, I think that feels pretty good when they, they send me this text that they're so proud of. And I just love receiving them. Love, love, love receiving them. I think that's the key though, because when you don't know what to do, you don't know what else to do. And I think a lot of people, they don't know what they don't know. And like you guys have, you know, we've kind of come full circle now that we're towards the end of the podcast. I think it's almost as if if people knew better, they would probably do better. Um, But they don't know. And having somebody like you, Ashley, to talk them through the process um, and be there when they've got questions, but also help them celebrate. I think that's, there's, there's nothing better. There's absolutely nothing better. So 
how how can our listeners reach out to you how can they find you if they want to know more about you Yes, so great question. So for any listeners that are local on the Sunshine Coast, they can definitely come to Kitchen School. Um, at the moment, we are we are located here only at the moment, um, but that hopefully will be changing soon, spreading out a bit. Um, so for locals, we can do that. And for everyone else, we've tried to make everything that I do in, in Kitchen School and as a kitchen coach available. Um, and it is, it is growing, the offerings. But um, the first protocol is what we call the overwhelm crusher. And that is an online program, very simple, very straightforward. It's a two-week uh, process. And it's exactly that, to crush the overwhelm so that they can kind of see through the clouds and then start to figure out a plan moving forward. And they're, look, they're, like I said, they're very simple steps to implement, but it, is, it can be very life-changing when um, implemented. So that, I say, would be the, the first protocol for someone who's just looking to kind of dip their toe in and, and have a little try and see how much better they can feel because like you said Karen you don't know what you don't know yeah uh, and yeah so that's just overwhelmcrusher.com will like will take you to that specific online product and I guess as well for your listeners um we can do a 25% off promo code wow yeah yeah so the promo code is crusher launch so crusher c-r-u-s-h-e-r launch L-A-U-N-C-H. We'll get them I'm just going to look that up right now. So <laughs> overwhelm. <laughs> Thank you for doing that promotion for us. Yeah, yeah no, not a problem. My pleasure. I want to crush the overwhelm. Honestly, it's it's not it's not a program we put up there to, you know, make money from. It's like this is the first protocol. We have to get people to see through the clouds, um, and then they can take the next step and. Look, the next step from there, um, there's a few other options from that point. So you can look up for more information on coach.com.au. Uh, and that's probably the next protocol is to, to take it from there. Let the learning oh, go from that. But definitely, yeah, crush that overwhelm. There's no sense. There's, there's nothing productive that can come from a state of, of overwhelm. I'll tell mm. you that. What was the website again? So overwhelmcrusher.com will get you to that oh, product. Dot com. Groovy. Yeah. I went ahead and put a dot .au and it can't really worked out for me. So cool, cool, cool. Oh, oh amazing. That looks fabulous. That looks fabulous. Oh, and fab. So all of our, all of our listeners can meet you there and, and get a feel for who you are and what you've got to offer. Oh, you look at you, you gorgeous thing. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I'm going to oh, it now. I haven't, I haven't seen it. I know. It. No, I'm going to I go. love it. <laughs> I love how we can, oh, you know, we can just go and have a look. Yeah, that's well, amazing. I, um, I'm still new to the whole video thing. I'm very much an in-person kind of, kind of person. Person. but uh, honestly the the number of people that I want to touch with this and, and hopefully help improve the lives of I realized I've had to to get that onto video so we are do, we are in the process of getting a lot more of the kitchen school learnings on video as well um, that will be launching a lot of that in the new year but definitely as a first port of call this is this is this alone can be a game changer we've had quite a few feedback on that so far is that oh my goodness they can't believe in some ways how simple it is, but also just how completely life-changing it can be to get these things sorted as, as a foundational, let's get the foundation set up. Amazing. Well, Ashley, this has been a fantastic interview. Thank you so much for taking the time. I know that it was a, it was a bit of a stretch for you. So thank you for fitting us in. I really, really, all you all really appreciate your, your sharing, your wisdom, your philosophy, and I guess your incredible passion to, really start to wake people up to um, bringing that responsibility back to the kitchen, back to the bench. And, and, I, and, I, and I really admire your tenacity and your, um, your ferocious energy to make this happen. I love it. I think it's awesome. So well, Thank you, Karen. That, that means a lot. And, um, yes, like I said, I'm, I'm not, not stopping anytime soon. This is just too exciting. And, 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 again, coming back to the whole idea of do what you love, it, this is exactly like I wake up every morning and I've never once called it work. It's just so – I feel so grateful and privileged to be able to help people in this way. And I think for that reason alone, I'll, I'll hopefully never run out of steam, although <laughs> some days it's, it's pretty full on. But, um Yes, thank you. I appreciate that. It's it's just been a pleasure to be on on here with you both. And too bad we couldn't speak with Kimmy, but 
maybe next time. I'm sure she's, I'm sure she's in a little bit of overwhelm. I might have to have to go help her out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Absolutely. No, it's been fabulous. So thank you from the bottom of my bottom of our bottoms. <laughs> and Cindy, thank you so much. I'm just shaking my head at Karen at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> we go there too we talk a lot about that anyways oh no now we're on to poop we we cannot escape it not for one podcast we cannot escape poop here we go right you are okay well now we're gonna have to get you back and we'll get you back on when we get to when we speak to um to damien christoph because he's he's coming up soon too so that's going to be pretty funny. <laughs> I love it. All right, you guys. What's that? He will talk about poop. Oh, nothing but poop. The whole poop and nothing but the poop. Yes. <laughs> There's a lot of places we can go with that. Yeah, all good. Oh, dear, oh, dear. All right. Well, tune in next time, all of our listeners, to know all about poop. So join us here on Up for a Chat. <laughs> When nothing is left sacred, go to our Facebook page, allthews.facebook.com forward slash up for a chat, or you can also reach out to us at allthews.thewellnesscouch.com forward slash up for a chat. Leave us your comments, leave us your questions and your messages. And we also want to just encourage you guys, if you're thinking about Christmas presents and New Year gifts, make sure that you head on over to awakenthechangewithin.com where you're going to find all of the information that you need to be able to join Kim, Cindy and myself in New Zealand in 2017 and also in Africa for 2018. So that's a super, super exciting trip. We've only got about three spaces left for New Zealand and I think we've got six spaces left for Africa. So don't hold back. We've got an amazing group of people joining us on these treks where you get to spend some up close and personal time with each of us. So all the W's dot awaken the change within dot com. Now join us here next week on up for a chat and become part of the ripple effect that's changing the world. And we're going to poop right alongside you as we all enjoy the ride. <laughs> See you next week, everyone. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.